Hello, hello. Welcome to Kill the Bottle Podcast. Eddie Zamora, a.k.a. The Yum Yum Foodie. Uh, Senorita Megan is here with me. Hello, Megan. Hi. Hi. You sound so excited. I'm so excited. Well, Good. anytime you say, um, hey, Megan, do you want a drink? I'm like... <laughs> Well, that's right. You do already have a drink in your hand, which is, is kind of the quintessential uh, uh, the quintessential part. It's daylight. So it's daylight. We're on a rooftop. We're on a very specific rooftop, actually. Uh, we're on a rooftop that uh, has a soft spot in my heart. It also aligns with our guests, with our, which I'll introduce in just a moment. It reminds me of home every time I see this place, hear about this place, uh, remember that this place exists in the city where I currently live. We are at the rooftop at the Broken Shaker or the rooftop at the Freehand Hotel here in downtown L.A., Home of a legendary, iconic bar, Broken Shaker, originated in my hometown. Oh, it did. It sure did. It originated at the Freehand Hotel in Miami. And it's in New York. Chicago. And Chicago, yeah. And I've I've been to the, I don't know, it's not a trifecta. What is it for? What do you say? Trifecta. Quafucta. Quafucta. I mean, I got quafucked up at all of them. So, yeah, that's that's definitely where we were. And that leads us to our guest. Our guest um, may have a little something to do with this place. He's one of the co-founders of The Broken Shaker. He's a co-founder of a really cool company called Bar Lab. He's the co-founder of fucking awesomeness. He is a lovely (laughs) uh, human being, mixologist, Mr. Gabe Orta. What's up, Gabe? What up? What up? In the flesh, dude. You're in person here because you're in L.A. I was like, like, we have to try to do this show in person because Gabe Gabe lives in Miami uh, and he was here and it worked out. Yeah, it was perfect. It yeah, f- dude, it is fr- freaking perfect, and it is for, for for folks at home. When you visit LA, when you visit Miami, when you visit Chicago, no bullshit aside. Like if Gabe wasn't sitting here, these are bars that I constantly recommend to people, and each one has such a different vibe from the other one, uh, which I think is super cool. Because most of the time, if you go to a branded bar, let's say you expect a, a certain level of recreation. But it's not a carbon copy, and I actually really like that. Each one of these these four establishments have such a unique personality and drive. How did your How did the Broken Shaker start? Wow, um, it's a long story, but we have time. Well, we have time. <laughs> we have time, and we have a drink in hand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things is is about that. About it, it's the same brand, it's the same bar. But it feels different each city mm-hmm. because when we started a brand, it grew very organically. And I, I'll get to the whole story. But uh, we want to, we, we get inspired by the cities that we're in and most importantly by the people. Mm-hmm. The people is what really inspires me. When I, you know, when we had our second location with Chicago, Chicago is a city that is like they really know cocktails. Oh, they yeah. have a huge history. Mm-hmm. They're very proud. Midwestern, they're they're proud of where they are. So we were kind of intimidated going to this new city. It was our second business, kind of. And when we went, we just, we got a hotel, we got a, an apartment there and, and we like, we moved. We moved in the middle of winter. Mm. And yeah. that, that winter is brutal. It is. Well, and coming from where you're coming from. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, like, that was, yeah. If I'm going to Colorado, Chicago, it's, be- <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah. You went from Miami yeah, to Chicago. Yeah, we're like super tan and, <laughs> like, and, and like, who are these like two guys? like flip-flops in the yeah. snow. I spent my birthday every year for nine years <laughs> in Chicago and it was brutal. No. Brutal. It's yeah. February. Sorry, yeah. that's why. That's when I, we yeah. moved there. But you know what? What I loved the most was the, the neighborhoods there. The, the Mexican neighborhood, mm-hmm. the Ukrainian neighborhood. So I really got inspired by that and start meeting the butcher, start meeting this guy that created amazing mole. You know, this guy was doing pierogies. So I really was like, this is the the equisential, like this is the foundation of Broken Shaker. It's an immigrant, you know. Mm-hmm. Me and my partner are immigrants. He's from Israel. I'm from Colombia. And, and that's kind of like, 
I was like, let's go with that because that's really our, that's what, you know, that's what we're about and get inspired by different cultures, different food. We love food more than cocktails in a way. So like we start going to all these different holes in the wall and, and chef restaurants and just start meeting the culture. And, and we fell in love with Chicago and, and, and that happened same here. I moved to LA when we opened LA, I moved here and like my, my wife ended up getting pregnant and, we had our daughter here, so let's, and I love California, so I'm like, they just move here, and and I love the the food here. It's incredible, like oh, the yeah. food, the fresh scene, produce here is definitely it's definitely something special. Everything, like the food here, is like really is like from this like holes in the wall that you mm-hmm. go there and like you know. So that's the foundation of Broken Sugar. It's like the the cultures, the food, and and the culture with our staff. Our staff is what really makes the place special. It's not about me and a lot. It's about our staff that runs the place and. That's kind of like our culture, how we build the culture here. Now, it's 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 a it, to me it was fascinating reading about you knowing that you know you moved at 16 years old to Hawaii. So you're you're born where where in Colombia? I was born in Colombia, Medellin. In Medellin, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. We're you know, we we we've all heard the name Medellin, Colombia, and, and what <laughs> you know the the the. The craziness that is Medellin, Colombia, and if you listen to a previous episode of the show, you you know you heard the story of Johnny Russo and him no, that's accidentally right. murdering a, a, a henchman. In <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's just be honest. He said it. I'm not. I'm not saying. I didn't think he said accidentally. Well, it, yeah, right. He probably. I think he said intentionally. In self defense. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if somebody was 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 swinging a a, a, sham, a broken bottle at my face, you know, not yeah. a broken shaker, a broken bottle at I'd my face. I'd shoot them in the face I'd too. I'd shoot them in the face too. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, and, you know, God let's just say it. he had a series of, of really wild uh, uh, encounters. Remind me to show you the picture of us interviewing and our faces on Zoom while, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> while yeah. he's talking. Both of us are like, yeah, make, make yeah. It just I'm got like, weird. Yeah, I mean, am I gonna was, get am I gonna get pulled in to like testify somewhere? Yeah, pretty much. I was like, am I gonna wake up with a horse's head Thanks. in my bed uh, the the minute this episode airs? But you know, Medellin, Colombia. What what made you move at sixteen from Colombia? Uh, we were running away from Pablo Escobar, pretty much. Okay, well, shit. Uh, yeah, All right. Well, yeah. That's uh, straightforward. You know, my um, my you know, I, it's funny because uh, I didn't realize this until like in the past like eight years my family like they've been in the my family i grew up with like women around my family you know it was all women mm-hmm. and um in you know i was raised by my grandma my mom and 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 her her aunt and her sisters and and you know with you know my dad was around my dad was always around but my my grandma is kind of the one that that started the family kind of when she had a she she would buy electronics from panama and then her sister will bring uh, will buy a uh, liquor from Panama and they will bring it down to my, to Medellin. This was in the seventies, mm-hmm. and then they and then they, they started like an electronic store and like liquor store. But the liquor store had like a, a side like room that was kind of like a hidden room, like a speakeasy, and they sold bootleg liquor. So so through there there was you know they would sell like Cristal and like all the Dom Perignon and like so they started all the narcos in the seventies. They start. They 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 would know my grandma and my great aunt. They were like kind of like everybody knew them in the city, so they start. You know, they start coming all the time to to uh, to buy liquor from them and electronics. So I grew up around. You know, we used to go to Pablo Escobar's house and you know all the all the all the cartel, Medellin cartel. We used to like when I was a kid, it was normal. You know, they were always hanging around. 
So, you know, so you got to look at like Medellin in the 70s and the 80s. There was really not much. There wasn't that much opportunities. Everybody was some kind of way involved in this, like, whether you're in the government, whether you're like, you know, like you're everybody was kind of in. There was some kind of involvement within the cartels because it was billions of dollars coming yeah. in into the into the city. Yeah. So, so it was like, uh, so it was really, it was really like that. And, 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 and once you get involved with these people, it's like, there's, you know, you that's can, it. You can't, can't just leave. You can't just leave. Yeah. But once you like start talking to them, it becomes like you're doing some kind of exchange, even if it's like legal or whatever, an exchange of goods, they still, you know, they're still, they're, you know, they're talks. And, um, so, so long story short, like, you know, my, my grandma was kind of, you know, she, she was running this electronic store. My, my grand was doing all the liquor. And I remember I used to help both, like when I was a kid, you know, I was 10 years old. Uh, I used to help them like, you know, like a bunch of boxes of liquor will come in. I will help her. So I always been around liquor, mm-hmm. ironically. And then, but, you know, as they got involved with these people, you know, long story short, uh, Pablo Escobar killed my grandma. And then, uh, and then, like uh, two weeks later, he killed my dad, and then my uncles. So, <laughs> so we went from like being like this like happy family, having like all these like you know like good make you know making money, a good business, yeah. to all of a sudden, Palos Coar like you know like he killed them, and then he he said that this that that the the merchandise, the, the electronics, and all that they never got, he never got them. So he put like a he put like a hit on the family. It's like whether you pay me the money or you guys, well, we're gonna kill you all. So it's kind of like that. So 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 you know. So when when I was like, I remember like you know, I was I remember when when I was you know ten years old as a kid. I remember seeing all the coffins, you know, of my grandma and my dad, and it was I seen I remember seeing everybody like you know, obviously my mom was devastated. The whole family was just darkness. But I remember, I remember this clearly, and it was this voice that, you know, I, I remember I wasn't that sad. I was, I was sad, but I wasn't, like, hysterical. And I'm, like, I felt, like, confident. I, I was, like, why do I feel like this? I remember asking, like, you know, my, this is my best friend. My, I, my, I, my dad was, like, the shit for me, you know? And, like, uh, and then, like, but this voice, came, this voice came very clear. You know, it was, like, a higher present voice. It was, like, you know, trust the process. Everything's going to be okay. Like, you have to trust the process. Wow. So, so I can, I, that's when I had my first, like, spiritual transformation, you know, under parentheses. Like, I didn't know. I, I was a kid still. I didn't know what. But I knew, like, that hearing that made me, it was soothing. And I was, like, okay. And, and I, I, you know, so, you know, so time went by and, but we still had a hit in the family and we still like, you know, like it, it was a financial crisis because they lost everything. Right, and right, like, right, right, right. So we had, you know, a couple of years went by and then that point it was like, we had a fleet there. My mom was like, you know, fuck this place. Time, you know, to, like, time to go. Time to go. Yeah. So now it's like, let's go. You know, I would have gone before the funeral. Yeah. 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 It was like, you know, you, you think you, it will go away, but it obviously it wasn't. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Let's get out of here. So we went to uh, to an aunt that we had in uh, in Miami. And uh, we, we moved to Miami when I was 15. And then, um, you know, and then I started, and when I got to the United States, I was like, oh, this is, this is I, it was always my dream to come to the United States. And I remember when I first got in and I'm, I'm there and I'm living there, I was like, oh, it felt like, right. I was like, I'm meant to be here. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know how, why, and like I, I wasn't missing you Colombia. You got a lot of feelings. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I like, like all your feelings. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Can you rub some of those feelings this <laughs> I'm very, I'm, yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> Megan's like the Terminator. She has no emotions. Can no we emotions. just like, can we just get some? Or if they're, they're bad. If There's they're, a metal there, exoskeleton under here. And they have no here. reason. You're talking about terrible things. Yeah. And I'm like, my, my dog died a little while. Like, I'm like, that's not even. Can we go back to me now? No, my God. I need all of your strength and emotions right Gabe, now. Qu- qu- something just came up to me and I'm, and came to me and I'm, I'm curious be, before you get into leaving Miami how do you feel because I can you know the way I'm the reason I'm asking this is because you know, I'm of Cuban descent and you know when I see somebody with a Che Guevara shirt or I see somebody with a, a romanticizing Fidel Castro right, not right. knowing you know if they knew everything right. historically and they still feel that way that's fine I just feel most people don't take the time and they don't learn how do you feel as far as these narco stories being romanticized on TV, whether it's narcos or whether, you know, yeah, people yeah, are yeah, sitting yeah. here like when I see people with a Tony Montana shirt, I'm like, how are you looking up to to that guy? You yeah, know? it's, it's we, you know, it has a double, you know, it's conflicting because yeah. like obviously like have this guy that like, you know, but, you know, that destroyed, like almost destroyed my life, you know, like in a way. Um, but uh, but, you know, and then but there's an aspect to it of like. Uh, you know, somebody that kind of tell the government, you know what, fuck you, I'm going to be, it's an entrepreneur. If you look at the bigger picture, yeah, he's the ultimate entrepreneur. He came from the ghetto, from like the, you know, from like, you know, ghetto, ghetto Colombia and became like almost a president and the whole world was looking for him. So people have that, have this, this connection with this like, you know what, like, like entrepreneurship, like, you know, fuck the government. You have all these things that, that's kind of within our, like, within our soul. Like, you want to be, you know, you want to run your own thing and you don't want to depend on people. So I think that's the fascination with, with, the, with the narco life and with that kind of person. If you're not, if it didn't affect you personally, at the end of the day, there's no judgment. Like, if, I, if, if I'm going to judge, like, oh, this guy's wearing a Pablo Escobar, he must be like, blah, 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 blah then it's on me, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, you know, they probably don't know, and, like, it didn't affect their family. So I'm okay with it. You okay. Know, I'm okay with it. There's the, I like the aspect of, like, when I see, like, the Narcos movie on Netflix, I couldn't watch it just because the guy had a terrible... Uh, he was Brazilian. He, yeah, he his was accent Brazilian was terrible. He was Brazilian with a terrible, like, Colombian He's a accent. great actor. Amazing his, actor. But his accent was but driving I, me insane. Yes. Was it? Oh, man, I can't think of his he name. Really the guy who plays, he he's really a great good. actor. The guy who okay. plays Pablo Escobar, and he actually directed some and of the episodes right. of Narcos Mexico. I yeah. wouldn't notice Super talented that guy. Stuff, so yeah. it's really yeah. interesting that you guys And also, like, that. I lived that story, so a couple of the timelines were really off. Oh, okay. So yep, for me, it was it. driving me crazy. I was like, ah, that didn't you happen can. like that. Yeah, you can't. But uh, it was where it was a beautiful production and all that. So, you know what? Like, for me, like, I, I'm okay with it. Like, I don't, you know, I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm beyond that. It doesn't yeah. really affect me because I know who, who I am and I know what I'm, who, you know, what I want to do That's in life. That's something really so, great to take yeah. in. I mean, that, you know, because some people hold on to things that aren't as life impacting as what you've been through. Um, and sure. here you are having been through some shit. You know, where you laugh about it because that's just how evolved you are, and it's 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 really a breath of fresh air to oh, meet yeah. someone like that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it is. I mean, I'm, my my mom died in 2006, and I'm still I still have, and I'm and I'm going to forever, and I'm. Uh, uh, but it's great to be around people like you because it is invigorating. It shows that it shows hope. Yeah. You know? Look, we all have pain. We all have some kind of pain. Yeah. 
everybody, you know, like we all, but Not it's, me. Yeah. <laughs> what about that dog I that died? <laughs> I just drink it away with your lovely cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> well, let, let me take it to Michael Mello, one in the, the morning. Pain. We'll see you. You'll have some pain the next day. <laughs> yeah. Wait, hold on. You're right. <laughs> I've had pain before. Yeah. Pain. <laughs> so sorry. Okay. So you're in Miami. Uh, you've, oh, yeah. You make it so, to the States. So I made it to the States and like, I'm, I'm 15 years old, obviously like, you know, we don't have like, we're not, we're, we're hurting. My mom is like a maid. You know, she came from like having everything to like having nothing. So she had to be a maid, like, you know, doing, you know. So you're watching like, those television shows too, right? And you're like, that's not how it goes. <laughs> yeah, either. totally. Okay. Gosh, they're, and, they're and, just messing it up. Thanks, Hollywood. <laughs> well, they got to put the Hollywood There's twist like on There's two maid it. stories yeah. right Absolutely. now too. And I'm always wondering. All right. You know, so, so, so I start working my first, my first kind of like by default, you're illegal. You don't know any English. Oh, you know, I was, comp you know, I didn't know English. I was illegal in the country. So you start working. Uh, I start working at a nightclub in Miami called Liquid. Oh, yeah. And it, old school from the 90s. Oh, so, yeah. Wasn't that owned by, uh, by Ingrid uh, Casares, yeah, Madonna? And, uh, and Pacello, yeah. 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 So the first time working there as a buzzer, you know, I was a sweeper. Actually, I started as a sweeper. I was 15 years old. Nice. You know, getting paid under the table. It's like my friends, like, you want to work the weekends. You know, I was going to school during the week. So work the weekends. You get paid cash. The first I, I start working, like there was some kind of like, you know, fight in the VIP area. I come in real fast and clean. And then this woman comes up to me, gives me $500 in cash. Wow. And then they, my friend's like, oh, that, you know, that's Madonna. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but I see the money. You're I like, more, please. <laughs> yeah, I was like, 500 cash is like 1996. I'm that's like, incredible. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, that, I was hooked. I was like, oh, I love this job. You yeah. Know? And, yeah. Uh, so I kind of started, you know, like doing that in the weekends. But what I what made me fall in love with the hospitality and it's something I put in that I'm is part of my foundation. It was like the it was the the you know it was that family I never had because you know if you look at if you look at our our industry our industry like it's it's kind of like everybody comes from a broken background kind of thing. It's either like. You know, you were an immigrant or you were, you didn't know what you still, you, you met, you want to become an actor and you still want to, you know, you're trying to figure out what you want to do or, or you dropped out of college, you know, some kind of thing. So you, you, you levitate towards each other and you have this kind of codependent relationship in the mm -hmm. kitchen, in the bars, and you have that family atmosphere you never had. And then the clientele, the guests come in and you build a relation with the guests and you start interacting. So you start building, like, oh my God, like these people are, these are my, these are my homies. And you have that, that I never really had like that, a strong bond. So I was, I, I, I was hooked. I was like, oh man, I love the bar. I love the, the nightclub. I love the restaurant. And I just, I, and I'm making cash under the table. I don't need to speak English and I'm, I'm learning. So I, I kind of, I was hooked and I work in the weekends and then go to school during the week. Like on Mondays, I would work. At five o'clock in the morning till Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I will go to I will go Monday at seven o'clock, seven thirty to class. And I was like, I never made it to class. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there any of those moments being that young and being back there that like there's certain people that you, if they looked at you now, would they have expected this to happen? That's where you're at. N definitely not. There's some people that are like for sure they're like wow we never thought. But there's some people I was always like. I was always kind of person like put my head down, okay. work yeah. my ass off, be nice to everybody mm -hmm. I meet, and and save my money and like and figure out what I'm gonna do later on. Yeah. Like let me figure out later on, you know. So right now I'm just living the moment. I need to save money. I need to figure out like how to learn English, how to get my papers, blah, you know. So that was kind of my path. And then like, but I wasn't really like, oh, I wanna, you know, 
I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to have my own thing. I was like, at that moment, I was just like kind of living and trying to figure out I'm in this new country. Let me figure out what the fuck I'm going to do. You know? It makes like, me think about all the restaurant jobs I have had or and the people below me. I wouldn't say like below me, but like, you know, be busters and servers. And like, I wonder if there's any one of them that have like, like become this really successful. Oh, it's a lot. And it's I hope I wasn't rude to them. Well, <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm sitting here thinking. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, shit. Did, you, did you drink at work? <laughs> No. Uh, yeah, sure? she was rude to them. Um, but did, did you ever live in Hawaii? I don't well, know why so, I read that. So, so I'm like I'm tripping. So, so you did. Okay. So when I, you know, after I'm seven, when I turned seventeen, I've been working in the bars and the restaurants for a while. My mom, you know, because we're we're associated with Pablo Escobar and that and that lifestyle, yeah. you know, in Colombia, she got a subpoena that that pretty much immigration was like, listen, you got two options: you either get the fuck out right now, or we're gonna come get you. So it would, either you leave the country, we're going to deport you. Oh so my, my mom comes out to me and she's like, look, this is happening. And I'm like, good luck. I'm, I'm staying. I'm, there's no way I'm going back to Colombia. I'll stay legal, illegally. I'll figure out. I'm 17 years old. Yeah. Like, I'll, I need to figure out. So, you know, we cry. We hugged. She left with my sister. So they I went back? They went back to oh Colombia. And, and back then, the... the Pablo Escobar already was killed. Okay. So the situation, it was chill. A little better. Everything yeah, yeah, yeah. chill. But you the, didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. I, I always felt like my destiny was here. Okay. And yeah. I, I never saw, like, me going to Colombia was kind of like, you know. So I stayed when I, and my only uh, legal guardian was my cousin that lived in Hawaii. So, oh, okay. So I, so, I, so I will go back. I will go to Hawaii and, like, work, go there in the summers and then come back to Miami and work in the, in the winters in nightclubs and in restaurants. Because I knew I could make a lot of money in the winter in Miami, you know, working yeah. in like the best places and like, and bust, you know, just busting ass and just working, working. Now I'll go back to Hawaii. And like, so I did that for several years. I stayed in Hawaii for like, you know, that, Hawaii is like my home because my, my only family I had in the States lived there. And, uh, and I love surfing. I love Those, the Yeah, ocean, I was going to ask you, do you so, miss the surfing in oh Hawaii? Oh, It's the best, the best. Yeah. Like, just the lifestyle. It's, it's depressing being in Miami and being a surfer. Because, like, like if you if you imagined in a dictionary, like, business Latino surfer, it would be a picture <laughs> of Gabe. Because you have the surfer vibe, but you're so, like, just an eloquent and intelligent business person. So I just, I love to see that because there's hope. For people, <laughs> you know, the, the ocean keeps me balanced and keeps me grounded. <laughs> I, I love, I love anything water. Yeah. I just, I was thinking about the news today. I don't know if you heard about the news today here, but like the, all the beaches are pretty toxic right now, and you're not allowed. Oh, to Oh shit! Water. I, I was in the water ah! today. <laughs> I already said no that. No wonder like, my stomach shit. feels weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess like it's one of those rare times we have to wait for like whatever is in the water to get out get of out the water. Of so they're telling that. people not to get in. <laughs> What's well, like every time they so check so the water? I hope you had a lot of fun. I didn't swallow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always do. <laughs> <laughs> it's just nutrients. Too much? Yeah. No, just nutrients. Too much. Too much. Now, I couldn't help it. You can't say that. No, of course. So uh, one other one other business that Gabe has uh, that I find I, f I find fascinating just because to me it's so different than cocktails. So people, if you know, if you're into cocktails or not into cocktails, you'll may think that this is very similar. But it's very different owning a cocktail bar and having a cocktail concept and consulting in cocktails to then owning a natural wine bar in Miami, uh, which called Margot. Uh, last time I saw you was was at Margot when I was there for South Beach Wine and Food Festival, and I just I love the space. What what inspired you to create a natural wine bar? And for people who don't know what natural wine is, please. 
Uh, you know, natural you know. wine is um, is something that's been happening for thousands of years. Yeah. It's not nothing new. Everything in Italy is, for yeah, the most part, exactly. is natural wine. It's, yeah. it's just like uh, the techniques, how is how is the agriculture of it? You know how they, how it's produced, uh, what they put after it, after they do the fermentation during fermentation. It's just techniques that's been going on for many years, and like some people choose not to, and, and it's okay. You know, there's a market for everything. It's not like a natural wine is the only way to drink wine. But, you know, there's the beauty of now wine that has expanded to different markets and different palettes, you know. So so for me, it was like when I for me, when I, you know, you know, 10 years ago, when we first started Broken Shaker, you know, you get you get kind of sick of drinking cocktails all the time. The the citrus and like, you know, it's, it's just harsh on your body. So I would I would I would drink uh, wine just to kind of balance it out. And then it was one time I went to Copenhagen, and that was the first time about 11 years ago that I, I saw a natural wine bar. And, and I'm like, I tried the wines. We had a, a few bottles. And the next day I was like, oh, my God, I'm not hangover. This is yeah. great. Oh, I feel amazing. Magic. Yeah. So, so I'm like, we need, you know, I need to keep drinking this kind of wine. And I started doing more research. And, um, you know, so in the, during the years... Natural wine was not available in Miami. It was available in the here in the in the West Coast and, and in New York. It was mostly the importers. So I would bring a lot of wine from New York and like from here, from Montesino, yeah. from like different places, from Santa Barbara. And um and so I would bring it just for my house and like just to have and like to to you know for friends. Yeah. And um and but as the years went by, I was like, man, we gotta, you know, I start seeing what's happening with the, with this with this you know, natural wine, um, you know, movement. Definitely avoid in Miami for yeah. that. And, uh, and, in, likes, and in the country, yeah. because now that you start to see now everywhere, like now every city has like a natural wine bar. And, you know, and, it's, and uh, what I love the most about is that it's a lot of women winemakers. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of new winemakers that they think very outside the box. They're not like your old school winemakers. They've, they've been doing generation, generation. It's mostly some, of, not all of them, but it's a lot of new winemakers so they think outside the box. They they don't try to overthink too much. They you know they go with the techniques of using like you know biodiversity, like taking care of the environment, taking care of the once you know the fermentation of the process. So I really enjoy that part, and like um, and that was kind of inspiration. You know, we we've been trying to open this bar for a very long time in Miami, like four years, and the pandemic hit, and we could, but finally opened right after the pandemic, and uh, and it just been like a, it was like a passion project. But it's turned out to be like a whole movement, and now in Miami there's like all kinds, all kinds of wines that are natural, bio, you know, dynamic, all these things. It's great. It's one of the things that now when I, you know, I, I, I go back to Miami constantly to go visit my dad, and uh, you know, Mar- Margo was one of the places I was really excited to try once I saw it. First of all, I, I was excited to try it because it was a natural wine bar. Then secondly, when I found out that you were involved, I was even more excited to try it because I just know, uh, you know, as, as we say in Spanish, tú no haces mierda. It's just like, <laughs> that's not how you're built. You don't do shitty things. Thank you, that's, thank not, you. that's just not how you're built. You know, something might not be to somebody's taste, but that doesn't, you don't just throw something out there. You really put your heart and soul behind it. And Miami, it, like, it takes balls to do what you did in Miami. Because in general, you know, growing up there and, and traveling back and forth there for the past 15 years, it's if if the label doesn't say Silver Oak, Camus, or Opus One, right. it almost feels like it's a really hard sell right. in Miami yeah. to yeah. get the people with money yeah. to spend money. 
Uh, people are less open-minded, eh? yes. you know, like in, the, in wine. And yeah, for sure, yeah, for sure, yeah. They're, they're they're more traditional. They've been drinking this wine for like forever, so they're not. They you know they want to stick to the traditions. They're not open-minded to try different things. And when we started cocktails, it was the same thing. You know, there was not a cocktail bar in Miami. There was one that closed that I worked there as a bartender called the Florida Room, and that was kind of like the first cocktail bar they started like the 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 scene in Miami. But then it shut down after three years. And, they, and for like three years, it was a void. So when we opened Broken Shaker, it was, there was also a void. Back then, there was only nightclubs and dive bars. Yeah. So it was nothing in between. So if you wanted to go out, you either had it dressed really nice or you had it dressed down. And there was nothing in between, a place like just casual that anybody can come in. And that would focus on cocktails, on service, on food. So when we up, we saw the void, but most importantly, we, we saw there was something that we really love. It's taking care of people and like making people feel at home. Like like the, my favorite bars and restaurants is that you're not sure whether you're out, that you're not sure, it's like, oh, I, I feel so at home. I'm not sure if I'm out or I feel like home. And you, it kind of confuses you because the way that people treat you, like they have all the, the little details. So, so everyone I, yells. Yeah, and then you and then they kick and, you out. Uh, that's how my home works. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you guys must come from different homes. Everyone tells you so you don't appreciate them, and yeah, then everyone's they yelling kick at each you other, out. and you start screaming and different. throwing things. Irish different bars. Home. Yeah, Irish so bars. you love Irish bars. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. I, and he yeah, just I nailed it. it. He nailed. Yeah. He knows yeah. what he's doing. Megan this- always gets into a fight at a bar. It's very, it's very constant. Uh, that's Amazing. why they, you have to have those special pint glasses that don't break. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. You know, for for uh, for when Megan is there, he said. So you like Irish bars? No, you know when I, when I think of Miami cocktails, you know, no bullshit. It's it, the Broken Shaker is the first one for me, Thank and you. and the reason being is me being originally from there. I feel like I have a freedom to be the biggest critic of Miami, not for any other reason more than I want Miami to be the best. I want it to be better. I want it to be kaizen, for constantly sure. yeah. getting better. And for such a long period of time, I felt Miami lacked this, lacked originality. It was just ripping off other cities. And whatever Miami was doing, it was a, just a carbon copy of something that worked in New York or something. But then I went to your bar for the first time. And I remember I was staying, I think, at the Additional Hotel right down the street. And uh, friends told me, Lo, you got to walk over and check out the spot. And I walked in, Gabe. And I don't know how to explain it, except that I felt, like you said, at home... In my hometown, which is something that I was not accustomed to feeling. I had felt it in other bars in other cities, but I felt like this bar captured it. Was it a was it a pop up first? Like how how did you get involved in the in the in because the, the freehand was a hostel? I remember walking in, it was a bunch of like European people, and then this bar in the back. <laughs> it still kind of is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not like I was like, what the where the fuck am I? There's some dude have speaking you ever Russian stayed here. In the hostel, by the way, sorry to in Europe. Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you have, have in the states. Wow, I never yeah. have. I've yeah. stayed in a bunch really? of them here. I never yeah. have. I have not. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen. It's uh, it, it started. It started from like. We were bartenders. We started our, uh, you know, when I met my business partner, Elad, we were kind of, you know, I used to, I got into, you know, I used to go to New York a lot. And I met this gentleman, Del Legraf. I saw him bartending and I was like, what is this guy doing? You know, this is a beautiful craft. I never knew about cocktails. So this is like 2006. And I, I, it just, it was magical because I always wanted to be a chef. I went to, I went to culinary school and I, I was like, I want to become a chef. And I will work in the kitchens. I work at I work at this place called the Forge, 
Oh yeah, and, uh, and yeah, legendary. You know yeah, next so, to Jimmy Z's yeah. and oh my god. So so like uh, so Cafe like nostalgia, the old school. Yeah, Cafe yeah, nostalgia, yeah, yeah. So I worked two days in the kitchen peeling potatoes, and the chef just bitching me out, throwing pants, <laughs> and then I would work like three days at the bar, bar backing. Not even bartending, just bar backing, and then like I'm dancing, making out with girls, nah. making tips. I was like, oh, this is like bartending is so much Throw fun. Throw a potato at me, yeah. or. But, but I'm like, but I love cooking. I love, yeah. I love cooking. I love like the kitchen, like mentality. Like I love it. So I was like, let me stick with it. Let me figure out, you know, like, let me just keep busting my ass and saving money and put my head down and figure out. But when I went to New York, it was the first time that was like, wow, like this is kind of like kitchen ingredients. You have your meats and plus, you have like, you know, like attention of details and you create this, this this concussion and you get like my favorite thing was the instant gratification 100% because in the kitchen you don't see that even the, the, the executive chef is not seeing that but with this instant gratification and, and connection with the guests that was my favorite thing so I can connect with you I can we can build a relationship and and you know and like so for me that was like oh this is kind of so I used to go you know so I used to, I, I would go to back to the forge and I would bring a bag of limes of fresh limes and mint and I have this French uh, manager he was like the biggest dick he's like Gabe what the fuck you doing like like what do you bring I was like I pay I bring it don't worry I pay for it and I would start hand squeezing hand squeezing mojitos and then like the bartenders hated me. But but then I will have a line of people and people yeah, start tipping the and they're like, oh my God, it's the best mojito I had. So right yes. away, I was like, and I started putting like Lulo, you know, the fruits where I'm from, Colombia. We had Lulo, we got uh, maracuja, yeah. uh, papaya, you know, all these like beautiful tropical drinks that I grew up with. So I start putting in there and I'm like, make what you know. Yeah. I'm seeing like a movie, just a total, like, <laughs> a montage right now of him bringing in all these new things and, and everybody hating everybody him in the background the... as he's squeezing fresh and limes. And all the lime just getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, like lime, like squeezing limes is like the garlic peeling of bartending. It's like, <laughs> no. it's like pretty people much fucking hate doing yes. it. Yes. You know? Well, people will machines. pay half their salary just to have somebody else yeah. like, I see all these videos on YouTube how they like all these people do it so fast like, how are they doing it that fast it's because they hate it they yeah, have to figure yeah, out yeah. a fast way yeah. to do it that's and so, so, wait so, a so I kind of that's kind of that's kind of like was my first light bulb it's like oh my god I love this and I started working and then I met a lad my business partner he's from Israel we kind of have a similar story he's an immigrant move, uh, flee away from Israel to make a better life, he moved to New York. In New York, he started working at cocktail bars, but then he moved to Florida. And when I met him in Miami, we were, I was working at this brunch place and I was doing the same thing. I was doing my own thing. And he came up to me and was like, what are you doing? I never seen cocktails uh, here. And I do this in New York. So we hit it off and we kind of like, uh, you know, we exchanged numbers and, you know, I call him like three months later out of nowhere. It's like, what are you doing? I started running these ideas to him. I, I came to LA and I saw a food truck, you know, mm -hmm. food trucks didn't exist in the East Coast and not no. in Miami. And I, I was like, man, we got to do a food truck that sells cocktails and food. It would be a hit. <laughs> so I called him and, and we're like, so we're like, let's do it. And we went to the city and all these like, the city of Miami is like either of Haitians course. or Cubans. And they're like, sorry, I'm apologizing now for my people. <laughs> but I guarantee you, if you gave them enough money, they'll do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, they'll do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> but also, they, were, they didn't understand what a food truck was. It's like, right. what, a food truck? So obviously, it didn't work out. But we were like, why don't we do a consulting company that, that does consulting for beverage? And that's kind of a bar life started like that. 
and it, Barla was born, and we just knocked from. We, we didn't know. Nobody knew who we were. We just like yeah. Like, how do you entice people to tell them you're a consultant? Because in my first of all, in Miami, somebody tells you they're a consultant, you're like they're full of shit. Well, they're trying to like Medicare fraud then, me. This was like like 15 years ago, even and more like, so. And yeah. so we had to go door to door, knock on people's you know in restaurants. The first person we went was Michael Genuine, okay, which is like it was yeah. our favorite. It's still the favorite, our favorite chef in Miami, and like, he's our, great, great and human being changed, and a great chef. He changed the food culture in Miami. Absolutely. He's like the pioneer that they made like the best restaurant, like we're utilizing local ingredients. So we went to we went to his restaurant because it was the the Michael it Schwartz was like, for the people at home. Check out Michael Schwartz and Michael's genuine in Miami. Yeah, he's a great dude. And uh and we went to knocking his door and like the restaurant's like lit with like a business plan and he's like the fuck is that like get, out, get away <laughs> but we kept going and going this guy's like who are these two like schmucks coming here every time like yeah so but along those lines people started like kind of noticing us and then we got our first gig uh with um at this place called domo japones uh this restaurant is no longer there but it was our first like a uh, cocktail program and we got a hit in the in the Amazing. miami herald feature one of our cocktails so that's kind of like we started consulting in Miami, but our, back then our, we had the goal is like, look, this is awesome, but we really want to have our own bar. And then and then we start working in different bars. We were, I worked at Florida Room. I learned a lot about the craft. The people that worked at Florida Room were like amazing, the best of the best. And I learned a lot from them. And we start work, we did a beverage program at this uh, the place called the W Hotel. Yeah. And uh, and from there we really were like, look, we need to open a, a bar. We saw what's happening in Winwood, this neighborhood in Miami. That it was nothing there. No, as a kid, my mom and would like, have jumped in front of my right. car if I told her yeah, I was driving was, the neighborhood to, to Winwood. It was the hood. It was know, back in yeah. the days. You know. Yeah, it was Winwood. Yeah. 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 So we we were we saw the vision. We're like, we need to open this broken shaker in 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 Winwood, but um. So through all that, we couldn't, we couldn't, we, we found many spaces, but we couldn't raise money. We didn't know how to, it was nothing. It was going to be like $300,000. We didn't know how to raise that. We have no idea what we were doing, but these people that bought a property in the Freehand, it wasn't called the Freehand, it was called the Indian Creek Hotel. They bought this property. On Indian Creek? And, uh, and they bought this hotel <laughs> and I, I went to high school behind and I'm like, I'm like, I know this property. We went to check it out where there was a tiny little room, like. 500 square foot and we told them we're like look we want to do a bar there in that little room they're like they looked at us like what that's mm. like that's what do you mean a bar there's nothing we're like we want to do that's what we want to do our bar we serve at a little room and we use the back the courtyard of your hotel and it was a rundown hotel so we, it was a really a straight up deal 50 50 it was with Seidel group they just purchased the Noma hotel in New York City so they purchased this property so they didn't really have a concept yet and that's how it started to pop up. The the first week we opened, these two, this woman sat at our bar. They were really nice. They brought she brought her boyfriend, her friends, and then at the end she sent us a car. And it was, um, you know, she was a reporter for New York Times. Oh my god! A week later, we ah. get a, a an article yeah. in the Times. Oh my about god! Hospitality, my friend. So it was. You never that, know who was at the other then, side of the bar. Yeah, the doors didn't, the, the line didn't stop. Oh. And that's kind of how we started. That's and then became it, be, it was a pop up for six months, but it became so successful. That the guys from that's the freehand started because of the bar. We kind of like, you know, we you know they started like, what should we do? And then like, you know, they came out with a hostile idea. But broken sugar was before that. It kind of, it kind of, it, it shot forward the the hotel. So it's kind of like. Have you ever that. broken a shaker? Many times. <laughs> <laughs> How many times? Yeah. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Enough for it to wear in your Actually, head. Actually, they don't break. They don't really break. <laughs> know, they're they're metal. Happens? 
Nothing happens. Nothing you, happens. You, get, you get shit all over your body. You get like a yeah. cocktail all over your body. Just hopefully it's I've not an espresso drink or something that you're covered or in. Egg fuck, whites, or yeah. egg white. Exactly. It's what, <laughs> or so a gym it's like fizz because then you really hate shake. your fucking life because yeah. it took you 20 minutes to make it. What? Uh, a broken shaker is like a unicorn. It really doesn't exist. You know, yeah. good point. Like unicorn. Good point. That's what Absolutely. you do. Your new yeah. slogan. That's You're right. welcome. <laughs> so, I'm I'm really curious about how you, because so many people go out into business and they say they just want to do something on their own, right? And you had the wherewithal a to to connect with somebody, um, but then, you know, how do you keep that? Because it's it's a marriage. How how do you keep that marriage working if you're really passionate about something and maybe your business partner doesn't get you or, or right. you know uh, is there a trick to that you know th there is the compromise you know, of there that? is like more importantly before like before all that it's it's really understanding the vision that you want you know there's there's a there's a thing called universal law that that is 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 around us of all times, you know. And that in in that universal laws is like breathing air. When you breathe air, you know you don't know you're breathing air. We're talking here. You don't think about breathing air. You just breathe. It's L.A. It's probably like sixty percent <laughs> air. Let's be honest. Yeah. It's a <laughs> <laughs> uh, Good point. Yeah. But yes. So so universal law works the same way. So you're always going to get what what you think about. And if you're not if you're not if you're not you don't have your vision clear, you're gonna you know, you're not gonna get. You know, you're not going to get that. So it's always like before all that, you, like what is it that you really want to do? Whether it's a business, whether it's like find a partner, whether it's find a martini. You know, what is it that you really want? Yeah. Write it down, put it clear, whatever it works for for a person. And then once you start, once you start seeing like how it works, you start meeting people, you start meeting investors. Then then it's it's a lot of that. It's a lot of like you know, this is this is my passion. This is what I do. This is my standards. But this person is bringing the money. This person or, or my partner is bringing the same value as I am and understanding each other like like what is it that you believe on and what it, what is that person believes on or what our investors expectations are and and you have to like you have to, it's a dance it's a mm -hmm. dance you have to do you know business comes for sure it's a money talks you know this is a business and like they, you know everybody wants to see returns everybody wants to be profitable but you also got to you know like beyond money I, for me, the, what I truly believe is the feeling, you know, like, let's go back to the feelings. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, I, I, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> 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 I, it was just so good Megan's like, wait a second. Yeah, yeah. I have no feelings. Damn it. And it's I'm like, a, you're so rude to all of our guests. I, I was like, no, I had an itch. I wasn't. <laughs> I have to pretend. <laughs> so, yes, please. <laughs> no, tell me. But you know, it's that feeling that you have. It's like it's like I you know, like I, I want this to, to go, you know, this is what I believe on and this is this is the I the, I believe on this and this is the culture we wanna build and this is the you know, this is the cocktail program we wanna have, this is the food we wanna create, the service. So those are things you're really passionate about it that is 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 so much part of the equation as the money, as as what the other people bring to the table. So it's it's a perfect marriage, and it's, it's it has a lot of moving parts. But to really understanding what what is in your heart and what really you want to achieve, it gives you a, a more bigger perspective when the situations come into play because they're going to come into play. You know, no business do good, and you're going to have to shut down one, or you have a quarter that wasn't profitable, and then and that's when you're like, okay, like you got to give a little bit of mm -hmm. this. But you understand, like your the way you feel about something is not going to jeopardize that, and it's not going to take away from the foundation what you're trying to build. Yeah, it, I, I, 
It's, it's very encouraging. Again, I, I keep using that word, but it, it really is because there are people that during the pandemic kind of, you know, wiped the slate clean and they're trying to figure out what to do with their life. Right. And, uh-huh. it, and it's a present company included. Um, <laughs> I and, wiped that slate clean and moved here yeah. in the middle of a pandemic. That's pretty good. <laughs> one, <Is it? laughs> one thing I'm always curious about, too, uh, I don't know. I'm fascinated with logistical stuff, man. Yeah. It's just, I don't know how my, that's as, as much as I'm a creative person, for some reason, certain math things fascinate me. And there's something that, that translates across all, you know, all four of the broken shakers. You know, there's only one twenty-seven restaurant, which is a restaurant that, that Gabe also, uh, also is part owner in. Um, but the consistency across each different store, store bar, yeah, um, yeah. How do you manage that? Is it a happy accident? Like, what do you set so that you have a level of consistency, not only in the service, but, you know, ice is different in every city. Um, water tastes different in every yeah. city, which makes different ice. Is, is there something that you do, a checklist that you that you go through? Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, like you have to have structure. You know, you have to have structure. For us, it's like the structure is like, this is how we build the cocktails. This is the kind of lime juice we use. This is the sample syrup. So the structure, so everybody's on the same page as far as like, that's how we do the procedure. This is the structure. Mm-hmm. It's like we're all going to fry the chips the same way. So, you know, so the, so the guest feels that connection. You know, for me, like a, one, of, one of my men, one of the people that I really respect in, in our industry is Danny Myers, just because like a, his book set in the table was like really like, really hit my heart when I read it and you know and it was it was it, 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 it was the emotional connection with the guests that you feel and and you want the staff to have the emotional connection within the within their job you don't want somebody that hates their job and 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 or they feel like they don't have the right tools to succeed so for us it's like you have to have the structure you have to give the tools to succeed before anything and that's a conversation also with investors with raising money it's like no let's let's shoot for the stars let's always shoot for the stars let's see where we land but at least like let's go for the let's go for for the home run and let's see what happens obviously you don't win everything but at least we're going to try the hardest to build structure to build a, a, a safe work environment for people you know for our, for our employees to feel to feel content to feel emotional happy with with their place of work and then from there we start building layers layers according to the concept but but for for us like broken shake is about it's about how you feel when you come in and and when and you start noticing oh they all they all garnish the same way the chips are the same way here than in in chicago and then you start bringing the structure in so everybody's on the same page but you want to feel for us we want them to feel like they're unique they're not like walking to a place that's like, oh, every, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a robber, everybody's I'm a, the same. I'm a puppet. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so funny because I've, I've been to places where the, it's crazy because the cocktails are spectacular and the vibe is great, but the the it can come off as robotic. Mm-hmm. Like right. a play, And it's funny because the, they're dressed like, t- it's a tiki bar in San Francisco, which I love, called Smuggler's Cove. I love Smuggler's Cove. But... The fucking drinks have so many goddamn ingredients that the bartenders don't have time to engage you. They have somebody that takes your drink order, and the bartenders are just working, working, yeah, working, yeah. working. And I, as much as I love a, a, a spectacular Mai Tai or a, a Leilani, one of their, their guava-based cocktails, the personal aspect of the bar is lost. Yeah. And, and, and that's something I appreciate about these these kind of spaces is that connection it's seeing you know the smile dude when i walked in here everybody's smiling everybody smiling everybody interacted 
Everybody said hello. Especially post COVID, you don't see. You don't yeah. see anybody yeah. smiling. And so they're like, they're like, oh, there's no room for you, or you can't sit here, or I don't have the ingredients to make that drink. Like it's a constant letdown. And when you walk in like these rare places now. They are. They're happy. Yeah. Smiling. And I wonder, like, I wish, I don't know how you feel about this, but I wish that the Michelin Guide did did bars. Yeah. They should. Separate food. Give me, give me Michelin star for cocktail bars. Give me, give me that full experience. Grade it however you decide to rate it. And then people can see, you know, what your grade is for it to figure out, you know, why people got this or that. But I, I, I think, uh, I think it'll uplift the industry too. I don't know how you, so if you, you feel the same way. Yeah, you'd like I, to do I mean, I never thought about that, but Michelin star being in bars, you know, I'm not, um, you know, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not so crazy about like a rating, yeah. you know, a rating, but, uh, but the one thing I do want to say is like, uh, I always tell, I always tell our, our employees, it's like, uh, you know, you're always going to remember a place that maybe they didn't have such a great drinks, maybe they didn't have such a good food. But they made you feel good. They yeah. interacted with you. They look at you in the eyes. Mm-hmm. They they understand Sometimes your needs. Sometimes that would make me come back yes. more to a bar than anything yeah, else. Yeah, to a Absolutely. bar that's like, you know, three stars and it's like the top of the top and the bartender didn't look at you once and they can't do it. So yeah. you're, you're like, you know what? I'm not, it was cool. It was a good drink. You know, it was good $40 to spend for a drink. Right. <laughs> I'm right, not coming right. back. So you go back to the hole that maybe wasn't the greatest, but you felt good. And that, and that, it's, it's that for me is the foundation of our industry. We always forget, and I always, re, you know, and COVID taught me this a lot that, you know, this is a service industry where at the end of the day, like, you know, whatever my ego wants to tell me that I have or that I accomplish, at the end of the day, for me, the way I feel is like I'm in service. This is a service industry. That's what made me fall in love with this industry that service, that when my guests come in, they just want to let go. They want to. They want to just disappear. They want. They don't want to forget. They want to forget about their problems. And also the people around me, my coworkers, they want to have an interaction. So it's a service. It's always a service. And like, um, and during COVID, I realized that more and more when we couldn't go anywhere, we couldn't open our, our spots, and our employees have to be let go because we couldn't afford to pay them. That is a people's industry more than anything. It's about people. It's about how you feel when you come into a bar. It's about how they feel when they're serving the drinks. It's constant. It's it's really the drinks, the food. That's like that's the byproduct. Yeah, it's secondary. You know, yeah, it's really how you how you treat people. So that for me is the foundation of everything I do. Every restaurant, beyond restaurants, even it's a product. It's, it's how you're making people feel. How, what, are you, what are you doing to be like, oh, you know, this is cool. Look at this layer. Look at this food. They thought about this. They're saying hi. They're so, why they're being so nice to us? They don't even know. It's constantly have people guessing and, and that emotional connection. That for me is like what really wants to keep me opening more things and keep pushing forward. Well, an, an experience that I had, which was I knew of you, but the first time I met you was on a Norwegian cruise ship where Bar Lab had, you know, done some of the cocktails on board. And you did what I thought was the undoable, which was de-sterilize the feeling of ordering a drink on a cruise ship. Because, you know, a cruise ship cocktail, is, there's nothing wrong with it, but for, for the person who likes coming to a place like the Broken Shaker, who, who, who likes the more, uh, I don't know, if not even advanced, let's say more refined cocktail experience, you you pulled it off um, with with what you did on, and I saw that the new ship is coming out, and I saw these pre-batched bar lab cocktails that my my friend who was on board was posting a photo of one of your pre-batched cocktails, and I was like, shit, this look it was a it was a bourbon drink, nice. and it was it was like in a little glass vial. It looked oh, yeah, I don't know, it looked yeah. like it had the antidote in it. That's I was like, shit, man, if I'm <laughs> sick, this is what I need. Um, 
How do you approach working on a scale like that versus working on a smaller scale like a you know like your like a broken shaker bar? Yeah, yeah. It's it's for um, they need you know when you work with a, a program like that, it's, it's really understands the tools to succeed. So it's like. You know, how they, are they willing to bring fresh lime juice? Fresh lime juice is like the is is is, is the is it's, it's essential. Yeah. It's essential to really make the experience different. So they're willing to bring uh, fresh lime juice. Are they willing to change the ice machines? Ice is very important. Water, the water dilution. So and and you know, and so it's really understand like guys, if you if we really want to do this in a scale to have forty ships around the world, creating creating the best drinks. My daughter, Hi. Maya. You want to come say hi? Hi. Doesn't just flock to you. High five. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How cute. Uh, so so yeah. Uh, so it's really you know have that conversation with them, see how they're willing to change all these things, and you know, and and then you and then you pivot like okay, we can do this, so we we're gonna go this route. You know, obviously we don't want to go all balls out, and they, they don't they don't have the the capability to to bring all this new equipment and to train all the staff. So so you take it step by step, and you know we started with them eight years ago, and like every year. We, you know, now we have like, you know, really good ice machines all over the ships. We have like uh, squeezing lime on the ship. So, you know, it starts every year, it gets better and better. And the, the, the program gets more deep and deeper. But it's really understanding that. It's like, a, you know, it's getting the structure again, the structure, how we're going to make this a structure bar, a bar program. How are we going to make this like quality cocktails, quality drinks, and a bar experience bigger and better? What is next? Uh, <laughs> because, I, know, man, I was I'm just like, thinking. Shit. The funny thing about this was, was like he he went after like the four like biggest cities. Like you could exceed at like a shit town somewhere. Like you could be like, wow, yeah, this is like absolutely. You went after the cities with the highest like culinary. Why didn't you expertise. go to Titusville, Florida? <laughs> really, Colorado. Yeah, really Colorado. <laughs> I mean, I need to go to Hawaii. <laughs> yes, they could yeah. they but could you, use a broken 100%. shaker on the Big Island, my friend. You know, oh, wow. it, it happened organically. We we didn't we didn't go like oh let's go to like this. It just what, happened organically. Well, we you just, were in Miami already. Yeah, we're like, oh, when we had opportunity. Oh, we had opportunity in Chicago. There's opportunity in LA. So we're like, all right, let's go, let's do it. So it just happened like that. So we, you know, but now what's next? Uh, we are opening a, a really big property in Williamsburg. It's going to be massive, like several different concepts in one. We open in a hotel in Wynwood, um, a rooftop, a, a, a restaurant with Brad Kilgore. He's a local yeah, chef. Yeah, he's a great really chef in Miami. Amazing. Absolutely. Uh, a nightclub in in Miami called Jolene. So we have a lot of different oh projects, gosh. and then but I'm really excited about we start going into the retail environment Uh-oh. and uh and just like a wholesale of cocktails. So okay. we started is like uh we, during the pandemic, just to keep the lights on, we started fresh squeezing our, our cocktails and selling it retail to Instagram and like, yeah. to like get you know. But out of that, we're like oh you know we're doing it in our office. And then we start. We saw a need to do a wholesale and to sell these uh, fresh cocktails, uh, you know, ingredients, sell it to hotels and restaurants. So we start doing that in wholesale. So it started. It really took off. It's, it has taken off. We had to get a bigger warehouse. So we're doing that. We've been doing that in Miami, and like now we want to expand in different cities and and make it into cans and make it more like available for like the everyday consumer. So that's one of the things I'm very excited about. I'm also, you know, just like little, a lot of side projects, like more into like, into, into like, uh, 
goods into like cocktail goods and things like that. But yeah, there's a huge market for that. I mean, there's a lack of good. Man, okay, there's a lack of not extremely crazily overpriced good cocktail wear, good cocktail gear, just like smart stuff. I find cookbooks, cocktail books, are books that people actually will use and revisit. Versus, I don't know, you you you, know, you read somebody's autobiography one time and you're like, all right, cool, and it sits on the shelf for you know the next twenty years until it ends up at a Goodwill, mm-hmm. a yeah. cocktail book or a recipe they're, book. They're always beaten up. Yes, people are going through them all. People the time. People are constantly yeah. Yeah. going through them. Do you, do you ever miss getting behind the bar? I you know I I love the interaction with people, but uh, but I just like I'm, I wouldn't last like two hours. It's so, <laughs> no. it's so hard work. It's so much hard like work. Like, like you know I, I miss the interaction with people and creating and like creating like you know ingredients like you know make me whatever you want. That was my favorite when a guest just told me like yeah make me dealer's choice yeah, dealer's choice. So yeah, so I do miss it, but uh, but yeah, you know I like I like the more being behind the scenes and like uh, you know the bigger picture kind of thing. I really enjoy that more. All right, I have a I have a dumb question for you, but I'm just really curious this because I heard this I heard this in the in the car on the way here. Uh, is "Under Pressure" a Queen song or a David Bowie song? Oof. My Chemical is that a Romance. Trick question. Get My the Chemical Romance. Fuck out of here. <laughs> they remade it. I like it that way. Okay. Then, <laughs> Definitely Queens. Queen song. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. I just said what? What is There's it? no right answer. I was just oh, was so really? curious. Yeah. Wrong. To me, it's a Queen song. Really? To me, it's a Queen song. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like it's you know it's on a Queen record, yeah, 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 right? But 100%. it's it's a Queen song. But people, will, you know, people will fight with you. I mean, they, they're both great, great musicians. So oh no, yeah, it's, like, it's hard to choose that one. Uh, what food will you still eat after it's expired? Ooh, uh, Chinese food. Chinese food. Yeah, but what's expired Chinese food? Is shit. You mean it's like been in the fridge for yeah, like exactly, oh yeah, 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 for a couple of days. Yeah, but like in a can, like uh, in a can kind of thing, uh, well, sardines. I mean, Sardines, yeah, nah, they're in oil, man. Yeah, Nothing happens oil. to that they shit. They go forever. They go for like you both are weird. Hundreds of years. Weird. They, exactly. They go for like hundreds of years. Go nope. to Portugal. I'm sure any, there's cans yeah. of like sardines there. Any sort of fish <laughs> in a can that's expired, I will not touch. Thank you. Thank you. Tomato sauce. Yes, I that's will a take, good point. I will scrape mold off a of cheese before I eat. Uh, a lot of, of cheese fish. is mold. So well, there's, you know, yeah. there's that. There's that. Um, fuzzy mold on cheese. Gabe, you know. Put, don't you put me down for my cheese comment. <laughs> I'm never putting you down for your cheese comment. I I eat just about anything, so it's it takes a lot for me to throw out some food. Same. For I come from like old school immigrant parents that like we should we just don't throw shit away. You know, at yeah. my house now there's arguments over throwing stuff away. I'm like, how did we let this? How do we let fuzz end up on this squash? Like, where was this squash just hidden? Scrape in the, it up. Scrape yeah, bro. It up. Just cut off the corner. We'll roast the rest, and the heat will kill it. The heat will kill it. Speaking of the heat, the heat is probably burning oh, up yeah. and killing Gabe right now. Everything. Uh, I'm sorry. He, he was surfing this morning. Uh, you know, Gabe, we, we so much we want we to thank you for your time, uh, but we end every show the same way, and, and I, I can't not say it to you. The only thing we don't get back in life is time, and Megan and I want to thank you so much for spending a little bit of your hard time with us. Hard time, you like that? A little bit of your hard-earned time. Hard time. A, it, takes a lot of, it takes a lot of time and work to not work, okay? That's that's a line that I will never forget. That's why I was like, don't it's ever true. get behind the bar again if yeah. you don't have to. Um, but sincerely, it means the world to us. Anytime you're working on anything and you want to share it with our audience, you have an open door with us. It is. That's what we are here for, to Thank talk you. with great stories. Uh, daddy, daddy, time to go. Guys, so <laughs> Gabe, where can people find you? So you can find <laughs> us uh, Instagram, Bar Lab Cocktails. 
Okay. It's our it's our handle. Uh, you know, we have our bar uh, our website bar dash lab dot com, and uh, my personal handle is dashy slash papi. Where's the dashy papi from? Uh, you know, it's funny story. <laughs> I, w I went to Japan the first time and I was blowing away. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. god, life changing. This land is like forever the best, and uh, and I'm like, I really need to get a knife. And I went to, uh, and I was looking for a knife store, and um, and then I was with my wife, and she, and uh, and you know, and and I was like, I, all I need to do in Japan is in Tokyo is get a knife and I learn how to make dashi, and I, like well, get like dashi I ingredients. Knife. I didn't make dashi. And then uh, and then I got all the dashi ingredients, and I got the knife, and then later we found out the knife wasn't even Japanese knife, it was like Australian knife. <laughs> 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 so, so I was like, I was like, goes to Japan once, and he thinks Japanese, and I got a fake knife. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, bro. That knife is gonna. That, that I still knife, have it. Thanks yeah, I mean, that best. knife has the best story ever. Yeah. And uh, uh, once we, I'm gonna tell you about a bar in Japan that blew my freaking mind. But we gotta let you go. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much, Gabe. Please, guys, like, subscribe. Uh, rate, rate and review it makes a huge difference uh, for our rankings and everything if you take two seconds and jump on there rate and review and show some love to Gabe any town you are in please I encourage you check out a broken shaker uh, grab some some chips like we're having now some guac oh, so uh, I love the wings here too I'm not gonna oh, they're friggin tasty as hell they're so good <laughs> um, thanks again and see you next week on Bottle.